I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Editing Podcast. So this episode is about the humility that we as editors need to bring to every project we work on and the question we should ask ourselves right from the get-go. Who's the boss of the book? Oh yes, that's right. And we were inspired to talk about this on the podcast by conversations we've been having with each other recently, but also by a blog post written by our colleague and friend Liz Dolby, who encapsulated the issue beautifully. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes for you. Yeah, we will. So in this episode, we're going to pull out some of the issues that have been on our mind and that Liz discussed and offer you some tips on managing the preliminaries of the author-editor relationship effectively so that both you and the client come out of the project at the end with a sense of a job well done. Yeah, so that project, that journey from the editor's point of view, starts with the question, who's the boss? And the answer is... The author. It's their book. They wrote it. They're the boss. And that's a great place from which to approach every new project because it reminds us that, yes, we have expertise in helping the author make the text the best it can be. Yeah, but, and this is something that Liz was really keen to draw attention to, we're far less likely to be experts in what the text is actually about. So if we're editing the author's memoir, we aren't the ones who lived that author's experience. Yeah. And if we're editing a journal article about research the author has carried out, it's not us who've done that research. And um, if we're editing fiction, the protagonist, for example, is the author's creation, not ours. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean that the writing is perfect. It doesn't mean we shouldn't suggest amendments that improve understanding, clarity and flow. We should because that's our job. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't draw attention to language choices that might alienate some readers or to narrative and dialogue that could drive the story forward more effectively with some tweaks. We should. That's our job, too. Yeah. But while we do that, we need to hold on really tightly to a core principle. And that is that we're not the boss. The author is. It's their text. They own it. And we're there to help them or suggest ways in which they might elevate their work. And that's what our edits are likely to be for the most part, suggestions. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, we might spot an errant apostrophe or a typo or some inconsistent formatting or the wrong label on a graph or a table. But the editing of the text more broadly for clarity, flow, meaning and engagement, that's the suggestion part of the equation. Yeah, it really is. And so it's essential that the author can see what we've done and understand why we've done it. Yeah, so great. We've turned on track changes in words, meaning that all of our edits are visible and can be accepted or rejected. But that's just the first step. Yeah, that's the what. The next step is the why. So we need to ensure that our client understands why we've suggested a change, particularly if it's a subjective suggestion, which stylistic editing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That might come in the form of an explanatory comment in the text. Yeah, or we might include a more detailed explanation in our editorial reports. But however we do it, we need to anchor our edits with commentary that demonstrates why it's in the author's interests and their readers to consider that change. Mm. Otherwise, our changes could end up looking like peevery or pedantry based on our preferences, based on how we would have written it if it were our book. Yeah. 
based on how things would be if we were the boss. Yes, which we're not. (laughs) So something that struck both of us in Liz's blog post in which she talked about an example of a tricky project she'd worked on and what she'd learned is the nervousness that can be in play. Absolutely. And the starting point for that lay with the author. Her author had had a negative experience and was anxious about being edited. And that made Liz, who's a very experienced editor, nervous about how to approach the work in a way that would represent her as an editor, the editing industry and her client's needs well. And that's something we all have to think about because everyone should come out of the other end feeling fulfilled. Yeah. So what do we do if we're approached about editing a text that's written by someone who's nervous about being edited? And will we even know if they're apprehensive about the process? Yeah. So a good starting point with a new client is to ask them if they've been edited before Mm. and what their expectations are. And if they're nervous, spend a little time getting to the bottom of why that is. Yeah. I think it's very easy of us for us to go straight into that editor mode of you know this is what I'm going to do and this is what it's going to cost and this you know samples and stuff and and I think starting off with asking some questions that you know dig a little deeper can be really helpful so they could include things like what's happened in the past that's made you wary or are there specific concerns that you have with your text that you want me to pay special attention to are there things you'd rather I didn't edit and if so why is that? Yeah, and you could also ask, how do you want me to tell you why I've suggested a particular type of change via a report or a follow up call or via comments in the file or some combination of all of those? Yeah, and by doing that, you're making it clear that you're not going to be arrogantly insisting that your edits are the way the text must be. Instead, the editing process will be about giving the client food for thought and about offering changes for them to consider. And that approach really does reinforce the hierarchy in the relationship, doesn't it? Because editors are being paid to provide a service, not a product. We're not the creators. Exactly. So after we've tackled the emotions in play and established the process in terms of communicating the why of the edits, a next good step is put some of that into practice. Yeah, so this is where sample editing does come into play. Mm. Sample edits help authors and editors because they give both parties the chance to experience how the editing process works and review whether the editing and the way in which it's been communicated are effective. Now, one thing we do need to be careful with here is the time that might take that that might take because a lot of back and forth could be expensive and affect not only how long the project takes, but also whether it's economically viable for you. Yeah. So if you're you're going through a sampling process and working with a middle person, such as a publisher or a project management agency, rather than directly with the author, does the project fee and timescale allow for this work or might you have to renegotiate with them? Yeah. And if you've been commissioned directly by the author, agree the terms up front. How long will the sample be? Will you charge separately for it or will you include it in the whole project price? Yeah, and this step in the process will give you both confidence as you work through the rest of the project. You, as the editor, will be able to get into the groove of the editing in a way that your client's already approved of. And your author can look forward to reviewing your suggestions rather than worrying about what's coming. That's a win for everyone. (laughs) And it moves editing into a space that centres collaboration and support rather than arrogant prescription. Yeah. Now, freelance editors do get to be the boss sometimes when it comes to deciding who to work with, which type of services to offer, which subjects and genres to specialise in. 
and how much to charge or what fee to accept and when to work. Those are all examples of decisions we make as business owners, but we don't get to be the boss of the book unless it's a book we've written. Exactly. Write your own book. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit bossy, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Write your own book. <laughs> so I think we've made our point there. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for only £3 a month. We'd love to have you on board. So if you're interested, hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast. All our patrons get exclusive accents. 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 <laughs> we can do what we they will because yeah. <laughs> not in the because I'm the Scottish one <laughs> and I'm the English one. <laughs> All of our patrons get exclusive access mm. even to a huge batch of transcripts, and we'll pop a link in the show notes uh, for you for that. In the meantime, <laughs> she's been Denise and she's been Louise. Join us again next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.